you would turn to me to Revelation chapter 2. It's Revelation 1, Revelation of Jesus Christ to the church. And uh, this morning, I, as I looked at it and I went over it, I thought, well, it's such a repeat. But I tell you this morning that we have, we have to be reminded over and over and over. How many know that your children, you say, don't do that, and you find yourself saying, don't do that again, and then you find yourself putting them in the time out, and even after that, you have to tell them, don't do that. So we're still the children of God. We still have those problems and difficulties. But today it's the church of Thyatira. And I'm not sure without Wendy here to help me to pronounce that right. You know, she always talks to me and tells me what to do with it when I need to, when I need to say something right. But I, I'm going to call it Thyatira. And um, it's uh, most important what God says to them. It's, he says, I am he that searches the reins in the heart. And right there is a message because he looks at the heart. Everybody else looks at the outside. We sometimes judge one another from what we do on the outside, but God is the one that looks on the heart and sees the intenseness of each individual. So Jesus approaches the churches, and I'm going to, this is a review you know, to get to Thyatira. So he, uh, he approaches the church and he says, This is the time is at hand and things which must shortly come to pass. Those are, those are just deafening statements that God has given to us in the book of Revelation. You know, any, whatever time it is, the time is at hand to pay attention to what God desires of his church. And also, we must realize things which must shortly come to pass. Now, I tell you something, church. At my age, life has shortly come to pass. How many know that, you know, you're just 18 and then you're 80? Time just runs, doesn't it? Is it not true? And so, as we look at this, God is going to deal with the churches. And I believe it's going to start to happen real soon. It's probably happened in the past, but... As we visit the churches of Revelation, we are reminded, number one, our first love. What do you think is attacked the most in our world today is God's love, the pureness of his love. We hear the word love everywhere, but it is not all the love of God. And the enemy is attacking the love, the true pure love of God in the hearts and lives and marriages of God's people today. And we have to be strong and powerful. And I want to remind you of chapter of verse one, 7 of verse 1. If you're there in Revelation today, chapter 2, and this is verse 1. I'm really going to talk to you from two, chapter 2, but this is from chapter 1. He says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. This is what we're dealing with today. The works of darkness is coming against God's people. The works of darkness is coming against our country. And, and the enemy is establishing himself to devour our nation. 
And I want to say to the church today, behold, he comes with clouds. Somebody said, how do you know that there's a rapture? Well, I don't know. The word rapture is not in the Bible. They always say, but listen to the scripture. He comes with clouds. Every eye shall see him. And those that pierced him, Israel, the the Jews, the ones who caused him to be crucified, the Romans who did it, everyone who is involved in that shall see him and shall know him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail. I want to tell the church today that there needs to be a spirit in us in the church world today that knows that God is sending his son for the church. As we visit these churches, the first church was they left their first love. And I tell you something, if you visit around in churches and if you visit around with Christian people, you will find out that the pureness of the love of God is not there. Many people attend church, but there's no love of God in their heart. There's hatred in the streets today, and there's all sorts of things that is going on. But God is speaking to the church, and he's saying to love. We have to love them. We have to pray for them. We have to love our enemies. We have to love those who persecute us. Love is important, and it needs to be pure. It needs to be holy, and it is attacking our world today. The, The works of darkness is attacking the love that God has given to the church, the love that he's given to one another, and we need to understand that. And Jesus identifies himself to Ephesus, and he tells them, you know, that that he wants them to return to their first love. And I can't help but start there in when we talk about the churches, because the church of Jesus Christ needs to return to its first love. And the Bible says that in the first church, He says they have to overcome and they have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. There are seven churches. Every church, she says, they have to overcome. Does the people know? Do you know that he's speaking to the church? He's not speaking to the world out there who needs to hear it. He's speaking to the church to make the church prepared for what is coming, that we might stand strong, that we might endure To the end, how many feels that feeling of endurance sometimes? We have to be able to feel that and know that, yes, this is happening. Yes, this is coming upon us. Yes, there's trials and tribulations, but we have to endure through it all that we might gain the prize at the end. So he says to to the first church, overcome and hear. Second church, he says, fear none of those things. I knew that when we begin to minister on the churches, that it was the will of God because fear is so rapid in our world today. And we are Christians. We are born-again believers, and we need to know that there is no fear in God. And we need not to bow to the fears of this day because God is marching on. God is going through the land. God is seeking truth. If there is truth in you, if you love him with all of your heart, then God is for you. And no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. So he says, fear none of those things. He says, he that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. I don't know about you, but when you start to get in the 80s and the 90s, you start thinking about the life hereafter. And he says, don't worry about that. There is no hurt in the second death. There's only if you love God with all your heart, if you serve him with all your heart, if you don't fear these things, there is only reward at the end. Oh, the church needs to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. 
there are gifts in the church that do not operate because when they hear the Spirit, they, they do not respond. And God is speaking to us as a people, and not just here in the sanctuary. But, you know, have you ever just been in the market or you've been out somewhere and somebody stops, starts talking to you, and they start telling you about a trial or a tribulation or a financial thing that's going on? You know, you're just there. You don't know them. But the Spirit of God begins to nudge you, and then you just kind of say, oh, well, maybe I'll pray for you, and you walk away. But God is calling us in this hour to take hold of that opportunity because he's coming soon. And there's no fear in us, but there's fear out there. And we need to show them that the fear is conquered by the presence of God. In Pergamos, he identifies himself as the God with the sharp, two-edged sword. Has anybody felt that sword? Because he deals with us, doesn't he? He corrects us. And that's what this is all about. And he's speaking to the church that it might be corrected, that it might be prepared, that love might be restored, that we wouldn't have any fear. You know, these are the things that are in the life of a Christian that should be, should be you know, pungent. People should see that. They should see that there's no worry, there's no fear, that there's not an aggressiveness and that love needs to be restored in this hour. Today, Jesus walks in the midst of the church of Thyatira. And this starts at the verse 18 in chapter 2. He walks in the midst of the church. This church is in Turkey. It's between uh, Sardis and Pergamos. These churches are close together in the, in the, when this is written. And he says, uh, the Spirit cries out, Hold fast till I come. Hold fast till I come. Now, church, we all hold because we're here today, right? But hold fast. Fast means be glued to him in your crisis. Glued to him in the negative report. Glued to him in the lack of whatever it is that comes against you in your trial or your tribulation. The Spirit of the Lord cries out, hold fast till I come. Why would the Spirit say that to the church? Why would he say that to the born-again believers? Because we are easily harassed by the enemy. And sometimes fear grips us. Sometimes our love is affected. Sometimes we are succumbed by the things that the devil does to us. So he says, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. And with that, he says, cast out the false doctrine and the seducing spirits of evil. Now, church, the only way that we can overcome and get the evil spirits out is to defy the works of darkness through the power of Christ. I said it takes the power of Christ to defy the works of darkness. We cannot defy the works of darkness if we whine you know, or if we give in or if we just, you know, feel left out because God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And God is working in the body of Christ today to bring us together. And Jesus identifies himself to this church in verse 18 and 19. And he calls himself the son of God. How would you like the son of God to appear to you and say, I am the son of God and I have a message for you? Well, he is appearing to the church this very moment. 
And he's identifying himself as the son of God. And the Bible says he has fire in his eyes and he has feet like a fine brass. Now, when we read that, that sounds nice. But what does all that mean? His eyes are a flame of fire. It signifies that his eyes are piercing and they're penetrating. He sees our heart. He sees our mind. He sees what is within us. He sees the circumstances. He sees every fear and anxiety that comes across our path. He sees us. We're not, we're not hid from him. And it says that he, when he identified himself, he has eyes a flaming fire, and his feet are like fine brass. What does it have to do with his feet? Why is he saying that his feet is like fine brass to the church? Because he wants us to stand in the power of his grace. He wants us to stand in his mercy. He wants us to stand in his forgiveness. He wants us to stand and not be wavering, not to be wobbling. You know, I wouldn't say that the the, the born-again uh, uh, um, um, wavers because waver is not good but I think sometimes we wobble <laughs> I think sometimes we, we lean a little bit as we walk I know I do you know that's the flesh but in our spirit we do that too you know we know what is right we know what is good we know what God wants with us but sometimes it's just easier to just wobble and just get by. But God is speaking to the church that he wants us to stand firm. When the works of darkness, I don't know anything else to call it. You know, there's all sorts of things going on today, but I just call them the works of darkness. And when they come against us, we have to stand firm. And that's why his feet are like brass. They are they are firmly standing. His feet are like fine brass and they are steady they are strength and they are they are stand in holiness now church let me tell you this across the spectrum of christianity there's no such thing as holiness we believe in holiness and holiness is righteousness and pure and it belongs in the body of christ and it belongs in the church but there's all manner of things going on in the church that is not holy. You know, church is not the place for anything but worship God. The sanctuary. The sanctuary is for worship. The sanctuary is to identify with God. The sanctuary is the place where we stand in the midst of the power of God. If you think you just went to church to do your duty, then that's all you're going to get. But if you go to church Saturday night, if you start to prepare for your time in the sanctuary and you begin to glorify God and ask God to meet you in the sanctuary, when you come into his sanctuary, he will overwhelm you with his presence no matter what the preacher does, no matter what people do, no matter what they sing, no matter what happens. He will overwhelm you with the power of his presence because he is there for you. But holiness what is holiness? It's not how you look on the outside. Holiness is something of the heart. It, it, it guides you. And the Holy Spirit nudges you according to that. It's kind of like your string to the Holy Spirit. And he guides you and he goes like, oh, no, don't go that way. 
Oh, no, don't get into that conversation, you know. He guides us and keeps us from all evil. Jesus' introduction to Thyatira was so powerful. He said, I am the Son of God. He identifies himself to every church in a different way. And if you go by his identity to each church, you get a picture, a total picture of what he wants the church to be. He wants the church to be full of love. He wants love to be empowered and strengthened. You know, he he wants us to fear none of these things. That is powerful for this moment. You know, there's all sorts of fear out there. He doesn't want us to fear that. He doesn't want us to look like we fear it. He wants us to be strong and powerful. He identifies himself as correction, as the sword that goes in and cuts out that which does not belong. It cuts as it goes in and it cuts as it comes out. And he brings correction to the body of Christ. He wants us to hold fast. You know, church, it's so easy to give up. We don't give up and go out in sin. But we just kind of give up. We just go, you know, things are so hard. Things are so tough. You know, in the tough seasons is when he wants to bring change to our life. When it, Not change for bad, but change for good. It's in those seasons, in this very season that our government and our country is in. He wants us to magnify himself. And to take this time and opportunity to worship him and to not to be desperate, but to be desperate for him. If the church would be as desperate for him as they were, as they are for the things uh, that, you know, the material things of this life. Think what would happen in the body of Christ. Jesus sees the potential of every church. He sees us today. He sees the potential that's in this church. He sees the potential in the churches abroad. And he speaks and he says, I see in this church, in the church of Thyatira, he says, you're full of works. Thank God for a working church. He says, you're full of charity. You know, your love is correct. You're full of service and you're full of faith. My Jesus, help us. It says says the church is full of faith and it's full of patience. And then he says, and you even have more works. So you would think that this church will escape being reprimanded. But it's important, it's important that as we work, as we serve, as we love, as we have faith, as we have patience, that we remember we have to grow in mercy and grace. We have to grow in forgiveness. How many know that you can have an opportunity every day to forgive? <laughs> Especially if you're married. <laughs> you always have the opportunity to forgive. And forgiveness cleanses. Forgiveness changes things. Cleanses, makes what is wrong right when we forgive. It's important as we work and we serve that we grow in mercy and grace. We don't just work, 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 work. But while we work, we have a dedication to his word. And we have a dedication to prayer. And we seek him in the spirit. This is the day, church, if you're filled with the spirit of God, this is the day to walk in it. 
This is the day every morning, get up speaking in tongues and go to sleep speaking in tongues. Because you need the power and the anointing of his presence in your life. It's important in our day to note that evil spirits attack the church. Evil spirits go to church. This was the problem of this church. There was a teacher in this church called Jezebel, and she taught evil things. And I'm not going to give time to those evil things, but you can read about it in the 22nd and the 23rd verse. You can see how God looks at those sins and what God is going to do about it. He is going to bring death to the, those that have false teaching. Evil spirits come into the church world. And this is what happened in this church, Thyatira. She came in, she taught things, and people followed him. And you know what, church? Today it's happening. We have multitudes of leaders in the pulpit that are there for various reasons, various motives. You know, but we have to be able to discern right from wrong. I can't help you. I, I'm here. I minister to you. But when you go from here, you're going to spend more time at home or with people than you ever will in the sanctuary of God. So you you have to you have to look at your life and you have to be able to read the word of God and you have to be able to have knowledge because of the things that are coming up on the world and the spirit of the Lord is saying hold fast. You know the only way you can hold fast is if you have the power of the word of God in your life. And you can't just read the scripture and say, well, that sounds nice. I like that. And read the next one. You have to stop. The Holy Spirit will prick you. He'll, he'll nudge you. And he'll, you know, you'll think, well, what does that mean? That's the Holy Spirit. And then you go and you find out what it means. And you go to the dictionary or you go to, to study materials and you get the knowledge of God in you because that is the only thing that's going to keep us in this hour. Churches all over are changing Churches all over are trying to get our children in, and I want our children in. I grieve for our children today. We need our children in the house of God, but we can't bring them in the way they're doing it because they got to come in, and they got to be saved, and they got to be filled with the Spirit, and they got to let the new life take root in their life. There's no nothing. Don't black out the church and bring out spotlights. Jesus is the number one person. And all we need in this house is him to be lifted up. If he's lifted up, what does the Bible say? He'll draw all men into him. It seems that the stars, the pastors, the Bible says they were in God's hand. So I'm, I'm afraid today. Because when you're in his hand, you know, I, I don't just have to stand before him for me. I have to stand for him for how I've taken care of the flock of God. And so he's he's talking to the church and it seems like the church today is always searching how they can build a bigger and better church. I'm not against a bigger and better church. But what the desire of God is and the desire of the Father is is to build the kingdom. If we're building a big church to build the kingdom, that's right. If we're building a big church just to have a big church, that's wrong. So we need to build the kingdom. And in, in, in a small congregation, you can do just as much building the kingdom as a large congregation. 
Jesus sat at the well with one, and she went out and brought the whole city to Jesus. So it's important. We should all be on a mission in the world today to know the doctrine of our God. Somebody says, well, what, what is your doctrine in your church? You should know that. And you should be able to tell them why you go to church and why you believe in God and why they need God. We can't just say, well, you need to be saved, repent of your sins. That's good. That's right. That will be helpful. But we need to have an understanding of why we serve God. Why do we do this? Why are we committed to go every Sunday? Why are we committed to give our money? Why are we committed to this hope of eternal life? That some of the things of the world, they, they mock us and they scoff us, you know. And they make movies that even take excerpts out of Scripture for their movies. And you know that God is dealing with them. God is dealing with our world, and God is dealing with his people. He's dealing with his church, so we got to beware of false doctrines. There's a doctrine that has penetrated our world, the doctrine of the purpose-driven life. And it's a doctrine that has penetrated everywhere. It's in the churches, the big, faithful Spirit-filled churches. It's in the prisons. They write me for it for their uh, thesis or their um, book report, and I write back and I give them an A. I say you read well, you did good, but you know the purpose of a driven life is to be glorifying God in everything you do. It's not in building a church. Because if you glorify God, he will build the church. He says he will build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So all the energy that we take to build a big church, and I I would love to have a full house church, so just know that. You know, but all the energy that they take to build the mega church, then when they get it, they can't be a shepherd to them because there's so many. So then a big church will have 15 shepherds. And I don't know how that works. Because Jesus is the shepherd. And he's the one that we should follow. And I, I'm not, I, I don't mean to ever knock the mega churches as long as their gospel is from the word of God. You know, I would like to see our young people taught the holiness and the righteousness of God. I would like for them to see that the sanctuary is not a place, you know, of powerful drums. I like drums, but, you know, all of the rock and roll stuff that they have and all the spotlights, I would like for them to see the holiness of God. I would like to see them see Jesus. I would like to see them see the power of his word in their life. They have... They have... um, rock concerts and I, I'm telling you the truth of course it's my age I, I can't understand a word they say I'm old church but they need to study to show themselves approved unto God and not leaders you know the church at Thyatira had all these good things but the Lord said you don't know the right doctrine 
you work, you have patience, you have faith, you're just a wonderful church, but your doctrine is not correct. Now, he's speaking that to the church, and he's speaking that to us, and I believe that what the Holy Spirit is saying is that we need to bone up and have a knowledge of the doctrine of God, who he is, you know. Somebody says, how do you know there's a God? Well, he said, he, he said, I am the God that healeth thee. He said, I am God. He said, in the beginning, God. They read all sorts of books and they read all sorts of things that they believe, but why not believe the word of God? Well, here's the deal. God wanted her cast out. Said, You know, that would make them a perfect church. Just get this false teacher out. And uh, so if you read there in the passage of Scripture 22 and 23, you see how evil she was and the Lord's going to even kill her. But before he does that, he says, I gave her space to repent. Isn't that our God? He saw all this evil and he gave her space to repent. I think about that so often with our prisoners because people would reject them because of what they did. You know, we we have murderers on death row. And they would reject them because of what they did. But God gives them a space to repent. That's why we do it. That they might have that space to repent. And so God gave her the space to repent. But the word of God says, no, no, she won't do it. So he says, I am he that searcheth the hearts, the reins, the hearts. And I will give Everyone according to their works. This is a promise for obedience to God. There's a promise to obey. I want you to, in closing, I want you to look at that verse 24. It's really important. It says, unto you, unto us. Unto you. It says, unto you, I say, and unto Thyatira. So I see it's talking to the church at Thyatira. It's talking to the church today. It says, Unto you I say, As many as shun evil, which have not known the depths of Satan, that which ye already have, hold fast till I come. He that overcometh, I will give him the morning star. Who is the morning star? It's Jesus. Down in Revelation twenty-two twelve, he says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 16, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I want to ask a question today. Is God enough in your life? Is God enough in our life? Is he enough in my life? If he is enough, then we must honor him as his church. This is just the this is just the facility. This is the temple. And is he enough? Is he enough to see us through the crisis of love? Is he enough to see us through the crisis of our country? Is he enough to see us through as he searches our hearts and he sees that there is a lack of you know faithfulness in us. You know, we want to be the best that we can be for the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. 
We know that you're speaking to us, O oh God, and we want to have ears to hear. We see that you say to every church to overcome. Oh God, give us an overcoming spirit. Whatever it is that we have in us that might hinder your power and grace, help us to overcome and be the church, the temple that you desire today. We give you praise. We give you glory.